This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the A's Minor League Roundtable. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. I do a little broadcasting for the Lansing Lugnuts, and I'm joined by a couple of great friends and colleagues who are along the ladder. Let's let each of them introduce themselves to you in turn. Let's go down to Mudville first. Alex Jensen, the voice of the Stockton Ports. Alex, good to see you. Jesse, it's good to be with you. Uh, Matt, pleasure to meet you as well for the first time. Uh, and thanks to, to the commander, Cody Elias, for putting this all together. Let's jump up to AAA. Matt Neverett, piloting the Aviators. Yeah, excited to join you guys, uh, along with Russ Langer, call the games for the Aviators on uh, home and road and, you know, staying busy in the offseason. And the, the A's have given us plenty to talk about, for sure, especially in the last couple of days. We're going to talk about a number of different things. We're going to tell stories and talk about the the players, the prospects that we saw, look ahead to next year. And just to get things going, Matt, beginning with you, the A's have traded away Sean Murphy. It is Shea Langelier's job. What are your thoughts on Shea? How much did you enjoy watching him this past season? So much. I mean, he is just such a fun guy to watch, not only with the things that he does on the field, the mixture of power and the, the dynamite defense behind the plate. I mean, he was major league ready defensively uh, opening day of this last minor league season. And it was just about developing that consistency, uh, getting some more at bats and finding the offensive profile that kind of fit his game best. And he did that in spades this year and just so unassuming off the field. He's just so fun to to talk to because my my favorite was when he got back from the Futures game. He was the MVP of the Futures game the best of the best when it comes to the top, top tier of talent in minor league baseball. And you would have thought that it was a backyard scrimmage that he had, uh, you know, just had a good, good day with his buddies. He came back and everything was, was just like normal. It was same old Shea. And, you know, throughout the ups and downs of a minor league season, you see guys kind of, you know, ebbing and flowing both on and off the field. He was one of those guys that no matter what, if he was in the lineup, he was out of the lineup, which as a catcher wasn't very often, surprisingly. He was just so even keeled. It was always the same thing when it comes to the preparation, when it comes to talking him around the cage. He's just so fun uh, to, to get to know and then to watch him have the success at, at every level and every game that he played in was uh, was really, really good and really rewarding for a, a, a busy offseason last year for the A's. It seemed like every home run that he hit was a tape measure shot. Was there one oh, yeah. that was longer than the others? There was there was one that was about halfway up our video board here in Las Vegas, which uh, if you've ever been here, if you've ever seen it, uh, it's it's the biggest video board in minor league baseball, bigger than three or four in the big leagues as well. It's you would think it's a big target, but to hit a ball off the video board in left center is is no small feat. I mean, I'm looking out at it right now. It's 380 to the fence right in front of it. You've got to hit it a good 440 feet to hit it anywhere near the middle of the video board. And shaded that a, a couple of different times. That's where his power mostly is, is to the, the alleys and left and right center. But when he really gets a hold of one, look out because he has as much power right now as any big league hitter. Alex, let's stay on the topic of catchers, but go to the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to experience. The A's just drafted Daniel Susak. You had the chance to see him. What did you think? He's a big catcher. I mean, I think, you know, at first glance, he may remind some A's fans of Sean Murphy in that way. Uh, he's a big dude. 6'3", 6'4". I, I can't remember exactly. I would look up the roster right now, but I don't want to, you know, spend our time doing that. It was a little bit tougher, you know, at, at low A, of course, to get really a read on who he's going to be as a pro because it's such a small sample size. And with the draft being moved back now, you have guys that are coming off a six-week layoff, essentially, uh, you know, maybe a little bit less for, for some of the guys that played deeper into the, into the you know, College Division One playoffs in the, in the College World Series. Uh, but, you know, I, I love the energy that he exudes from behind the plate, first of all. His, his catch and throw is just about as good as you're going to see across the, you know, this past year across the low A level. Threw a couple of guys out from his knees. I mean, just a really quick release and pinpoint accuracy 
uh, when he's right. I know he was dealing with a little something in his throwing arm, nothing serious, sound like a little bit of tendonitis uh, in his throwing arm after that layoff. Um, so he didn't really catch the last couple of weeks, but the power is real. The competitiveness is real. Uh, you know, I can't, his first home run, his only pro home run actually, was in San Jose. It was, you know, 430, 440 foot shot to left center. Came on the 12th pitch of an at bat, you know, against the Giants, San Jose Giants pitching staff that was one of the best in the league. Um, so, you know, right now there's some swing and miss, but he's young. Uh, and he was, I think he was a draft eligible sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, I think there's a real ability to stay behind the plate. There's power. There's, you know, the ability, the feel to hit to the opposite field. There's the ability to make adjustments within an at bat. I talked to him about his two strike approach. And it was like, I was talking to a guy who'd played in the big leagues for five years, you know, talking about going fastball adjust when he gets later in the count and just his maturity and understanding of the game and the ability to handle a pitching staff is well beyond his years. And I'm really looking forward to see how he does as he continues to climb the ladder, because you know, as you guys know, he was a guy that was getting buzz in the top 10 picks. His brother was a big league catcher. He actually was teammates uh, in travel ball with Tyler Soderstrom. They were both the same draft class uh, coming out of high school. So um, I think he's an exciting he's an exciting guy. He's a guy to be excited about. Um, and I think, you know, when we got to look at his time in low A, he's really just scratching the surface of what he can be. And I'm excited to see what he can do with a full season. Let's stay with Tyler Soderstrom. And Matt, we're going to work our way back up the ladder to you the same way that Soderstrom has done. Alex, I want to start with you. And then I'll tell you my experiences and we'll finish off with Matt because that's where Tyler finished off this past season. You got to see Tyler Soderstrom in his professional debut last year. What were your experiences like? What were the stories? Well, first of all, the guy can really hit. I mean, you guys have seen that. And to me, you know, when reading the scouting reports, and he was 19 when he was in Stockton, uh, to me, the power was a surprise. Uh, not the power, but the amount of power that he has. First of all, as you guys know, he's a physical dude. I mean, this guy is, he looks like a big league. He looked like a big leaguer when he was in Stockton as a 19-year-old. I remember shaking his hand for the first time. And it was like shaking uh, the late, great Ray Fossey's hand. I mean, it swallowed my hand. Uh, so the power was real. He looks like a big leaguer. And I really thought that he stood out in a, you know, a year in the Cal League, Lowe West at the time, which featured guys like Zach Veen and Marco Luciano and Luis Matos. I mean, we're talking uh, Drew Romo's another one with the Rockies. We're talking uh, Noel B. Marte is another one with the Mariners. We're talking cream of the crop, uh, you know, at that level in that time. And some really good hitters, a really good hitting league. I thought Tyler was just as good, if not better, with more upside, just in terms of a pure hitter when you combine the hit tool and power uh, as any of them. And I thought, you know, as a 19-year-old, it was clear by the end of his time in Stockton that he was too advanced for the Cal League, even though he was on the shelf with an injury for the rest of the year. But uh, it's been a lot of fun to, to uh, watch his success as he's climbed up the ladder. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what you guys have to, have to say about him, you know, after I saw him a year ago. All right, I'll pick up the story from here. He begins 2022 with the Lansing Lugnuts. And I'm very curious now how the A's are going to play this in Lansing for this coming year and years to come for both hitters and pitchers. Because it is miserable to be a hitter or to be a pitcher in Michigan or really in the Midwest League. If you're in Wisconsin, if you're in Ohio, just east of Lake Erie, you can't tell how good a guy is. And so for Tyler and for Lawrence Butler, whom we're going to get into as well, if you look at their April stats, you could tell that they were cold. I asked Brian Welbach <laughs> about his strikeouts and his walks. I asked Lawrence Butler about why he was drawing so many walks. And every single guy said, because I'm freezing. I'm absolutely freezing. I can't feel my hands. Well, once they thawed and they got through it, and it was an enormous test for each of them in terms of maturity. <laughs> when has Tyler ever struggled like that in his life? Plus, he's dealing with a bruised thumb. Comes into the year, it hurt. It, the year starts, he re-aggravates that thumb injury. So now he suddenly can't play catcher. We move him off to first base. And I asked him, how is his experience? How is he with ground balls? Because I was watching some troubles early going. And he said, I played shortstop. I can handle this. He's fiercely proud, right? And he did. He improved and improved as a first baseman. But the second he got cleared, he could not wait to go back to catcher. And I know, and we're going to get into this, Matt, uh, 
all of the different forecasts about how Tyler is going to have to move off that catching spot. I saw great stuff from him from behind the plate defensively. It was a pleasure to watch him develop once he got healthy, once he had time. And once the weather warmed, the man came through with the biggest swings, the best at bats. He was 20 years of age. And by June, July, it was such a pleasure. He had a walk-off grand slam. He had a walk-off three-run homer on the 4th of July. Just as you had seen a year pre, uh, a year prior, Alex, in the big moments, Tyler Soderstrom was big. And it was awesome and a great teammate. And to watch just for that brief period of time when Max Muncy joined us from Stockton to see their personalities so opposite <laughs> nature bouncing off of one another was awesome. But then Soderstrom was uh, so much on fire. And you look at his stats and the, the stats that he ranked in top five in the Midwest League, still at year's end, but it was time for him to go and up to double A. And then, Matt, this brings us to you because he got a cameo in Las Vegas at the end of the year, and I think he acquitted himself well. What did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, as as you guys have mentioned, the hype surrounding him when he arrived was was huge. And, you know, after seeing Shea Langoliers all season, he he was the, the coinciding roster move at the end of the year when Langoliers got called up. So, you know, you, you wonder what you're going to get from a guy after just 36 games at the AA level. You know, young kid, you hear all this hype. As you mentioned, he really, really showed what he's made of uh, in, in his brief end of the season stint here in Las Vegas. I mean, basically hit 300, put the ball in play more often than he did not. And just the, even his ground outs were 100 plus mile an hour shots towards the second baseman. Uh, his base hits were all screaming line drives. He, he was just a really fun guy to get to know a little bit. Uh, he, he did have one home run that was just a screaming liner over the right field fence. That, that's what he's going to do, no matter if he's catching, if he's playing first base. I've heard people say corner outfield potentially for a guy with his size. He's going to hit. So that's one thing that any team that is going to be lucky enough to have him play for them is going to going to know. You're going to get a middle of the lineup hitter who's going to compete, whether he's behind the plate or at first base. He's not going to be an easy out. He's not going to be an off day in the field. You're going to get everything uh, from Tyler Soderstrom uh, every time he goes out there. And it's really few and far between that you know for a fact 100% that you're going to get a guy's best day in and day out no matter what position he is he's playing and uh, you know Soderstrom has lived up at least in my eyes in, in the brief stint that I saw him to all the hype and then some he's a really really exciting player for the future of the A's he's got such it, it's such Go ahead. oh yeah it's such a picture perfect swing too like it's it's your prototypical lefty power hitter a guy that can also spray the ball the other way I mean it is just a beautiful swing and Jesse, you alluded to this too. He, he kind of plays with like almost like a subdued intensity. You know, you don't always see it, but there are times you are going to see it and you know how much he cares. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's one of the things I love about Tyler as well. Do you know who he reminded me of? You're going to call me crazy. I saw the great comp for him to Carlos Elgato. There was Bryce Harper in him with that lefty power swing and that kind of intensity that would explode in the big moments. Mm -hmm. So it was a joy. It just to watch him swing. It was awesome. Uh, Matt, I, I want to stay with you, Matt, because at the end of the year, not only did you have Tyler, you had a bunch of guys who joined the aviators to conclude the season. What was it like to see Zach Geloff for Zach second year in a row, finishing off the season with the aviators. And you're really getting to see that, that big up and coming nucleus to form the A's future. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it was the second time that he had been promoted to Las Vegas. At the end of the 2021 season, they brought him up. And it was just a week, just over a week, and it was literally just to fill roster spot. We needed a, a middle infielder, a guy that could you know step right in and, and play that day. And he played really, really service, serviceably those uh, couple of games in 2021. So when he got the call up this year at the end of the year again, you know we kind of knew a little bit more of what we were going to get. And he had upped his profile absolutely since we saw him at the end of the 2021 season. And you know, big guy, six three, not necessarily the the stockiest, but long arms, long legs, uh, runs pretty well, hits pretty well. Well, he just does a little bit of everything very well. Uh, and I, I get a chance to see him and talk to him a little bit at the fall league when I was down there at the beginning of November. And he's just a, he's a really cool guy to talk to. He's got a younger brother that is a, an absolute stud at the University of Virginia, which is where Zach went as well. And I talked to him about his brother, talked to him about some of the things that he had been working on. And you know, one of the questions that I asked him at the when I was uh, talking to him there was, you know, is there anything specifically that they have you working on? He goes, nope, I'm just here getting at bat. So he's one of those guys, too, that knows 
what he needs to do. He's, you're not going to have to hold his hand. You're not going to have to coach him up uh, more so than, than some other guys. He's a, he's a, a mature guy, but still has plenty of uh, projectability, we'll say, in, in his game because he, he could play a couple different positions, and he his bat-to-ball skills are, are really, really exceptional at this stage. Alex, you got to know Zach well, too. That sounds a little bit like that Daniel Susak maturity. Did he impress you immediately? I love Zach Geloff. Uh, just an awesome kid. Uh, and you can't really call him a kid anymore. I mean, he's, what, 23 years old. But he's the type of guy that the coaches would have to say, slow down, stop working so hard. You know, he's always out there. He's the first guy on the field when I got there for batting practice, taking ground balls, taking ground balls. He's the last guy off the field after batting practice, taking ground balls, taking ground balls. He's the last guy in the cage. It's just he's one of those guys. And he's got kind of he's, he's just got an easygoing laid back personality, just an easy guy to be around for me. Uh, and, you know, it was awesome to deal with in terms of on the field. I'll tell you what really surprised me was how fast he was. And maybe that's something that um, is, you know, you're less jarred by, I guess, as he climbs the ladder because you're seeing guys that are, you know, that are just as fast as, you know, everybody hits the ball just as hard, runs just as whatever, right? There's better players as you climb the ladder. But his first career home run was an inside the parker. And at, at Banner Island Ballpark in Stockton, the ball off the center field wall, you know, the center fielder runs into the wall, kind of falls over a little bit, stumbles, the ball rolls back to the infield. They had no chance. They had no chance to throw him out at home plate. In fact, the throw came into third because they thought Zach Geloff was going to be at third base instead of rounding third. So it's just kind of one of those guys. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt. Does a little bit of everything well. He's a very good hitter. Uh, I think he's got uh, pop that he's still growing into because of his frame. I think he's 6'3", and as you mentioned, uh, kind of a wiry, strong 6'3". But he's a mature hitter. He's foul pole to foul pole. I remember when he first got – uh, brought to Stockton as a as a second rounder out of Virginia, manager Rico Rico Bronia. First thing he said to me after like two days, stud, like great pick. Uh, and I, I, you know, I don't know where he's going to play long term. I think you know that's maybe still a little bit up in the air based on the reports, uh, you know, that I've read. But he's going to hit and he is going to compete and he's going to he, he's going to get the most out of what he has in terms of talent. And I just, I, I love the kid. I, I think he's got a really bright. Matt, I want to stay with those players that you saw in the Arizona Fall League. And first, Mason Miller. We got to see Mason. And unfortunately, right at the very end of spring training, he strained his rotator cuff. So he did not get as many innings in as he would have wanted, as the A's would have wanted. But he got to Lansing at the very end of the year. And it was immediate how overpowering he was and what kind of a developed arm he was. Uh, I had heard about the 102-mile-an-hour fastball, 103 maybe. Slider was ridiculous. Batters were helpless against the slider. Also, I don't know who you guys have for other nominees. I would put Mason up for lowest voice in the system. Great baritone. <laughs> He's up there. He's up there. It's a bait. So seeing big Mason Miller. Now, I know, Matt, that you got to see him. You got to see him in Vegas. You got to see him in the Arizona Fall League. And yet you also have the D3 Pennsylvania connection to him. Yeah, it's uh, a long road for Mason Miller to get to where he is. Let's just say that. He started at Division Three Waynesburg College in uh, the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. I played against them at the – I used to go to the school called Bethany College, which was in West Virginia in their same conference. Uh, so I've, I've been to Waynesburg College. It is nothing to write home about. So the fact that he was able to play for four years at a Division Three level that's not known for, for, for churning out any prospects ever – to go to Gardner-Webb at the Division One level based on the projectability uh, once he was able to figure out his frame, the well-documented story of you know finding out he had uh, juvenile diabetes at, in college uh, and you know re-adapting his workload and his dieting and, and taking a lot of those things seriously that you see out of big league players every day. He was able to transform himself one year at uh, Gardner-Webb at the Division One level, and then he has been plagued by injuries since like as you mentioned he threw 12 innings this year he threw six innings over two starts for the aviators and he threw more than that in the fall league so he's a guy who when he is healthy as you mentioned 102 mile an hour fastball we had him clocked it over 100 plenty of times in his handful of uh, outings here with the aviators uh, he is as exciting as it gets in terms of pitching prospects who maybe are kind of under the radar because he is starting to gain the laurels i mean obviously a lot of the, the hype is real uh, but he's going to be a guy that's going to have to show it. And it's going to be a matter of whether he stays healthy, 
whether he stays consistent throwing that fastball in the zone because more and more guys are throwing 100 miles an hour now than ever before. But it's going to be about staying healthy and, and kind of defining the role. If the A's think that he is a guy that can stay healthy and, you know, not maybe not give them 200 innings a year, but, you know, somebody who can really go out there every fifth day at the major league level and put the team in a, in a position to win. Wins are becoming more of a meaningless stat now than ever with the way that most of these pitching staffs are are developed. And for Mason Miller, he's a guy with the highest ceiling really of anybody in the organization pitching wise when it comes to strikeouts, when it comes to just pure stuff. It's really going to be exciting to see kind of where they send him initially and then how quickly they move him uh, depending on those early season results. That slider, man, that slider is sick. One of his teammates with the Mesa Solar Sox uh, was the Darnell Stenson Award winner in the AFL, Lawrence Butler. And we're going to work our way up the ladder once again because Lawrence, Alex, he broke out after some struggles. After he was drafted out of high school in the Atlanta area, he broke out with your Stockton Ports last year. He did. And you want to talk about an infectious personality. I mean, (laughs) this guy plays the game with an apparent joy and competitiveness uh but you know he's he's kind of one of those guys right uh you know top 10 round pick out of high school massive tools speed power athleticism to dream on um and you know he's one of those guys that maybe the covid year helped a little bit just get get back at home you mentioned facing live pitching and a lot of pro guys around the atlanta area and you're right i mean after a slow start for a week or two in stockton in 2021 uh, you know, I thought consistently in this league in at the time, low A West, now the Cal League, uh, he was one of the most consistent guys from the time the year started until he was promoted to Lansing. And he showed the power. He showed a very good eye uh, and he showed the ability to run the bases and be versatile in the field. I mean, being able to play all three outfield spots, at least at, at the low A level, as well as first base. Um, big time breakout. I'm not sure the A's were expecting it. Uh, but he has clearly caught their eye because, you know, obviously the, the fall league and now on the 40 man roster, uh, he, he's he's got a future. And, you know, I, again, there are some tools that are useful there uh, when you're looking at him through a big league lens. And not many guys can hit the ball as far as he can and can run the bases the way that he can. When, and you combine that with the fact that, you know, he's got that positional versatility. There's there's some there's a lot to like with Lawrence Butler. And I don't know about you, Jesse, but it, for me, it, it starts with the way he plays the game. It's Again, it's a joy. It's a competitiveness. It's kind of all that mixed into one. Uh, what'd you see? He's so fast and he's so strong yeah. and he's such a good hitter. That's the thing. A pitcher could fool him and he'd still find a way to rip a line drive. He, he got bothered by the cold early and then he suffered a terrible injury right as he was about to assert himself as one of the league's best players players the 4th of July stealing successfully second base and he hurt himself just on a head first dive in a second and they had to cart him off and it was terrible inflatable cast um and so we thought his year was done it was such an ugly injury and yet there he was ahead of schedule returned to us by the end of the year is having even better games than ever had a two homer double single game he could be so dominant offensively and on the bases uh, he hurt teams every which way they could not figure him out and they had to pitch around him and then he goes to the Arizona Fall League and he's doing it there too while showing off his great batting eye so Matt let me throw you Lawrence Butler and also make this open-ended all of the A's guys uh, beyond Mason Miller that you saw in Arizona yeah, Lawrence Butler was one that I was really, really excited for. Uh, he was a guy that obviously a lot had been written about. He'd won sportsmanship awards like he won in the past. I mean, he is just a, a really fun, infectious guy, uh, personality-wise, like 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 you had said, Alex, and really fun to watch play. And yeah, he's about as, as toolsy as it gets. I mean, as far as just having you know great speed, great pop on the bat, the the defensive versatility that you had mentioned, Alex, I think is might be his biggest trait. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, it is tough. There are guys that can play left and right. There are guys that can play center and maybe some left field. There's very few guys in any organization that can confidently play left field, center field, and right field just as effectively. And you have to have a unique skill set uh, to be able to do that. I thought Denzel Clark as well was another guy uh, that, that I was really excited to see. Those, those two outside of the guys that I had already seen were the ones that I was most excited to see. And Clark is similar profile to Butler. Really fun to watch play. Really toolsy. Uh, He was the other guy that I was really, really excited to get an eye on. Okay, let's get into Denzel. 
because Alex, I know that you have a lot to say. So I'll briefly <laughs> say that the man hit inside the park home runs in consecutive games in Lansing. Yeah. So the outfielder in each case in left field and in center field made one mistake and he was gone, gone. Uh, he played the best defensive center field that we had seen all year by anyone not named Pete Crow Armstrong of any team. That's how good he was as a defender, as a hitter. He hit some of the longest home runs and the speed was no joke. All right, Alex, your thoughts on Denzel. I mean, just oozing with athleticism, an insane athlete. I mean, this, this is a guy that has a max box jump of 60 inches, 60, that's five feet. And you look at his size, like he's another guy, you shake his hand, his hand's swallowing my hand, right? It is jarring how fast this kid is, like jarring. And he's got the bloodlines, of course. You know, his mom was the sprinter in the Olympics and his, you know, his brother played in the, his, uh, I think it was his uncle played in the CFL. He had another cousin that was in the Olympics in London. Uh, the Naylor brothers, of course, are his cousins. So the bloodlines are there, but there's just, he, he can do certain things on a baseball field that like the top 2% of big league players only can do. I mean, it, you know, you don't want to throw the name Bo Jacks around very often, but it's like, it's, it's that type of athleticism. It's the power, it's the speed. It's, you know, maybe not the arm at this point. Uh, but again, just the, his size and strength and speed combination. The, the word that comes to mind is jarring. I mean, it's just like, he should not be able to do that. And, and he does it. He makes it look easy. I think the next step for Denzel is doing something that Lawrence Butler showed the ability to do. And maybe it's just, it comes with playing in pro ball a little bit. I felt like Lawrence Butler as the year went on made adjustments, you know, uh, he would do something in July that he wouldn't have done in June. And even two weeks later, he would do something. You're like, wait, you know, he, he did, he wouldn't have done that two weeks ago. Denzel, I think you saw some glimpses of that, but I think you just need to see it on a more consistent basis. But in terms of a ceiling, his ability to play center field, as you mentioned, Jesse, his power. Uh, I, I thought he was another guy that was just a pleasure to be around. Uh, you know, his, his energy inside the clubhouse, at least that's what I saw in Stockton. The, the sky is the limit for this kid. I mean, if he ever, if he puts all of it together uh, as he continues to climb the ladder, you're talking about a, an all-star in the outfield. Now, of course, it, it takes a lot to do that at the big league level. And, and low A is a long way from the big leagues. But he's got a skill set and an athleticism, like an athletic profile that just not many guys who play the sport of baseball have, in my opinion. Fascinating guy to talk all sorts of different topics with, too. Big Rafa Nadal yes. fan, big martial arts guy, big, you name it, Denzel Clark might have opinions and might have great interest. And you might bring an enormous smile to his face and asking about it. And there he was in the Futures game, right alongside Shea Langoliers, making a remarkable catch running into the right field wall. So he was he was a pleasure. I anticipate Denzel is going to come back to Lansing because just as you said, the adjustments, it would go week to week. One week, he would own the other team's pitching staff. The next week, team would come in with a book on him and he'd really struggle. Another guy I anticipate coming back to Lansing next year is the, uh, the other first rounder, Max Muncy. So Tyler Soderstrom and Max Muncy, the back-to-back -back first rounders, 2020, 2021, we had in Lansing at the same time. Tyler, I anticipate probably starting the year in AA Midland um, after that great taste in AAA, and we'll see how long it takes him to get back to Vegas. But he's he's got major leagues written all over him next year. I think Max Muncy is coming right back to Lansing based on how things ended for him. But let's start, though, with how things began. And that takes us right back to you, Alex. Uh, yeah, another kid like Zach Geloff. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I love I love Max Muncy. You know, he's he's uh, his personality is just it's infectious. You know, he's if you were to tell me he was a first rounder, I'm not sure that I would believe you because he's he's just like a grinder. You know, he loves to be at the field. Uh, he's, you know, interested in more than just baseball, a little bit like uh, Denzel Clark. Quick story on Max Muncy. There was in Stockton. Uh, there is, you know, the dugouts, they didn't build the stairs all the way up to the, to the top rail. So there's like essentially a piece of, of wood with plywood on top, like a little platform for people to stand on, on half the dugout. Well, it was starting to rot through a little bit and Max Muncy's on his hands and knees, kind of looking underneath the, this little platform. Tell oh, yeah, I can fix that. I can do that. Uh, so, you know, you start there. He's just, he's just a, a pleasure to be around. Um, and you know, on the field. 
you know, he was an 18 year old, just fresh out of high school and in professional baseball. So there were some mistakes, but he's another guy where he, he could do some things that, um, you know, not everyone can do. I mean, the bat speed for his size is exceptional. Uh, he's extremely competitive. He learns. He's another guy. If you talk to him about kind of his thought process from at bat to at bat to at bat, you can see growth and you can see kind of a long term deal. Whereas the years go by, you know, he's he's not going to let the adjustments that other teams make on him define his career. He's going to find a way to adjust to those adjustments. Uh, it's it's just a really mature mindset for for me anyway for a kid coming out of high school and just the way he thinks about hitting he thinks about the game and I think that's really what gives him a chance to be special because he's got obviously the first round skill set with the ability to, to to play shortstop and the athleticism to play in the middle of the diamond the bat speed the ability to hit for power uh the the speed I mean I, I thought he was a pretty good base runner um but it's it's that kind of student of the game the he, his ability to be as coachable as a guy that was drafted in the 30th round. To me, that's what gives him a chance to really be special. I asked him if he was going to go to Instructs, and he said no. And then I followed up a little bit later because I had heard, wait, it's being reported you are going to Instructs. And a gleam came into his eye, and he said, Juan Navaretti is going to be there, and I'm going to work with Juan on fielding, and it's going to be awesome. That... That was the reason why he could not wait suddenly to get to Instructs. No, I changed my mind. I'm going. Juan and I, defense. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Flex 10 is back. Get 10 Plaza Outfield level ticket vouchers for only $99 for any 2023 regular season home game. Buy your Flex 10 pack now and redeem for any combination of games later. You can use two tickets to catch opening day, four tickets to watch a fireworks show, and four tickets to catch the biggest matchups. The options are endless, so give the gift of baseball this holiday season. Visit athletics.com slash fan values to purchase yours today. That's athletics.com slash fan and values. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. On the subject of power hitting infielders and breakouts, Matt, we have to talk about the way that Kevin Smith ended the season in Las Vegas. Was the man unconscious? It was incredible. And it was even more incredible given the fact that he had struggled mightily on the offensive side of the ball to the point where his average in a qualified hitter was hitting under 200 minor league baseball. You you don't see that. Uh, he had he, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a bat and then turn around into the month of September. He couldn't get out. Both him and Jordan Diaz, who I know we'll talk about in a little bit, were as good offensively in a short stretch as anybody I've seen. Uh, and just I, I wrote down some numbers because it, it was incredible. He hit 268 on the year, which is a great number for a, a glove first shortstop as he profiles out to be. The month of September, he batted 365, got on base at a 405 clip. His OPS was 1.184. Anytime that decimal slides over a spot, you know he's doing something incredible. In 25 games, he hit he had 38 hits, 11 of them home runs. He scored 17 runs in those 25 games as well. He, he just you take a step back at the end of the season. You know when it was when it was happening, it was incredible. Uh, a three home run night at one point for him as well. Uh, he was doing things offensively that I don't think he had he had ever thought he could do. Uh, and it was it was so fun to watch because he's such a nice guy too. He's so so good to talk to. If you need a player for you know a, a video or you're doing something for social media, he was always one of the first guys that we would go and seek out. Uh, and so to have one of those guys, especially, have just the incredible month offensively that he had, and it really bodes well for him for the future because you know with Nick Allen locking up the shortstop position for the next however many years at the major league level, it's it's a shuffle for who fills in behind him. And I think for Kevin Smith, you know, better late than never, he's a guy who really ups, up up his, uh, you know, profile within the organization at the end of the year. I would call him the politician or the mayor. And I don't want to set aside the negative connotation dealing with politician because he was just so polished and it was so easy yep. to talk with him on everything. Just 
an easy, great, professional, classy sort of guy. And I want to stick with him just as a quick connection. And then we're going to come back. 2017, the Bluefield Blue Jays had Kevin Smith. They had Zach Logue. And they also had a guy named Ryan Noda, who was the Appalachian League MVP. So a quick story about Noda, because Noda was just acquired. He was just picked up by the A's in the Rule 5 draft, second overall. 2018, he was a Lansing Lugnut. So I got to know him. Set the Lansing Lugnuts franchise single season record, drawing over 100 walks that year. He was a guy who is a left-handed throwing, left-handed hitting guy. But as he came up, he played shortstop for a couple of days. And at Cincinnati as a freshman, they used him as a pitcher briefly. Um, he, when he was younger, he swung at everything. He pulled everything. And he told me his father, while he was in, I believe it was middle school, heading into high school, said, let's go to the batting cage and we're going to end that and taught him how to use the whole field and taught him how to be more discerning to the point now where you look at his skills, besides the fact that he's an outstanding basketball player, the man's eye is tremendous. He stole 20 bases last year in AAA for the Dodgers and the power's prodigious. So I loved that the A's brought in Ryan Noda. There's a, a good pipeline from Lansing and the Blue Jays organization into the Oakland Athletics organization, Zach Jackson and Zach Logue and Danny Jimenez and onward. All right. So just moving from that, um, I want to stick with that whole idea of uh, the, the charismatic player that Alex, you and I started to talk about, that Max Muncy type, that Lawrence Butler type, that Denzel Clark type for each of you. And I, Alex, I want to start with you. Who are your most fun players to have around on the team this past year? Man, that is a great question. Uh, I will go with Danny Bautista, and he's not really on the the you know the prospect prospect profile, you know, especially if we're excluding the guys that we we've already mentioned. But Danny Bautista has been a stock import now for two years, and I suspect uh, Jesse that you'll see him in in Lansing uh, next year. But you know, another guy, just a, always a smile on his face, no matter what happened the night before. Uh, you know, he could have struck out four times, could have made an error in left field, so on and so forth. Uh, but there, you know, he's just always a pleasure to talk to. Always, like I said, always a smile on his face above. He's he was like a leader uh, on the ports team this past year. And it was a team that had uh, some youth on. I mean, I think Pedro Pineda is a young outfielder who's got some upside. You know, Danny Bautista's the type of guy where you can look at and say, OK, that's how I need to take care of my business every single day and do it with a smile on my face. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Danny Bautista is the answer for me. I remember talking to Steve Scarsoni uh, when he was in town, probably middle of August. And he was a guy, Danny was a guy that he brought up, like, you know, his attitude's always great. He's making improvements. I mean, he's the type of guy that you want to have in your organization because he's going to have a positive impact, um, you know, on several younger players, especially younger players, because of the way that he goes about it goes about his business. His dad, of course, won a World Series of the Diamondbacks. Uh, and Jesse, I'm excited for, for you to get to know Danny next season in Lansing. I'm excited too now. Thank you. Matt, how about you? Who are the most fun guys? <laughs> a couple of the names that, that come to mind right away, Mickey McDonald, uh, just such a, a great approachable guy. He's one of those guys that'll come up to you uh, as a broadcaster and bring something up. You know, normally, you know, the guys are always happy to talk to you with with certain exceptions but if you know usually it's saying you saying hey man you know how about this what do you think about this he'd come up to me and be like hey what'd you what'd you think last night and he just with his versatility <laughs> on the field as well it adds a whole other element i mean he played second base he played third base he played all three outfield spots he did them all pretty well he was an outfielder that they randomly you know brought into third base because we were really short uh, on corner infielders here in las vegas at the end of the year and for a guy like that to finally get a, a big league call up after a lot of the a lot of the things that he had been through in the journey to get there he's one of those guys that i was happy for uh really more so than others another guy like that nate mondu who's a, a free agent as of right now but he was a really good guy to get to know he was a, a returning player from uh, 2021 so i had known him for a little bit extra than some other guys, but Mickey and Nate are two buddies off the field as well. So it was always funny when you'd catch them in the hallway, uh, you know, just just the two of them talking because they'd always rope you in on some kind of a some kind of a fun conversation. But uh, there's a lot of guys that are, that are still with the organization as well that I that I thought uh, were really really fun to be around and could definitely bring a lot. Uh, what one that comes to mind? Big big Brian Howard, who uh, is you know popular everywhere he goes he's the only guy i've ever known that is strictly reserved to the uh emergency exit row on an airplane we we fly uh when we travel here in triple a so he we, we we just happen to fly southwest with the aviators and so it's open seating he always 
pays extra to get on first so that he can have the emergency exit because, you know, legs of a six foot nine human being are not meant to go in a normal uh, space in, in an airplane cabin. And he's always uh, one of our leaders when it came to hacky sack as well. That was a really big hobby that most of the team at one point or another, or I guess the majority of the season took part in was a, was hacky sack tournaments. And Brian Howard was the one making t-shirts and, and getting everybody involved in that. So he's a good leader, uh, both, both on and off the field. Yeah. Mickey, Nate, Brian, trying to think of any other guys Jonah Bride I actually really enjoyed getting to know him um and just seeing the way that he would work with with uh Shea Langoliers here uh because Langoliers obviously has always been a prodigious catching prospect especially on the defensive side of the ball so he kind of was working extra with Jonah on some of the defensive finer points of catching even though I think Jonah caught one game in the month that he was here for us but just to have that versatility and have a guy like Shea Langoliers teaching you shows a lot of uh, humility from Jonah and, you know, just kind of describes the way that, that he is as a person. But I actually really got to know him this year. And he was one of those guys, too, just because of his name that other teams would have fun with. And we'd be on the road. I heard a lot of uh, White Wedding for as his walk-up song. Uh, the teams had some really – teams had a really good time with the uh, the bride theme when he would come up to bat. I want to go back. Hacky sack. Alex, did the Stockton Ports hack? Because the 2022 Lugnuts hacked like no other team I'd ever seen. Uh, 2021 ports certainly did, which would be most of your 2022, uh, Lansing yeah, explains it. but I, yeah, I saw a lot of footballs in the outfield. I saw some, uh, some Frisbees even did not see a whole lot of hacky sack. And we so had a lot I, of soccer as well. I don't know if it was soccer. You know, yes. The, the, yes. the foot related sports. I had a uh, Steve Klauke who's been calling the games for Salt Lake for years and years and years came up to me. I was filling in. Uh, one series early in the year up there and he came, came up to me and goes, I think you guys should forfeit the game tonight. And I was like, why? What, what, what happened? He goes, you see that? No one should play soccer on a baseball field. And I, was like, <laughs> I don't know if I would take it that far, but it, they, they did take it to a new level. Drew Swift was our keeper. Tyler Soderstrom has a wicked shot. Like it's World Cup season now, but yeah, the guys were feeling it during the year. And I'm glad that we are developing the hacky sackers of the next generation for you, Matt. Uh, the lug nuts player with the kind of charisma. And I'm going to stay away from the clubhouse. The clubhouse Everyone was great. There are a ton of Hall of Fame human beings that I met all throughout the year. And you're going to love them. Eurebiel Angeles. I've never seen a player who is a stand-up comedian on the field like him. And I would just tell people, do not take your eyes off of him. He's going to mess with somebody at all times. If the umpire got too close, he messed with the umpire. And he left the umpire in stitches. <laughs> if there was a runner who reached his base... Oh, that runner was in for it. And the same thing held true of a Rebiel reached base, the first base coach, the first baseman. At second base, the middle infielders, he could get the pitcher laughing. The man, wherever he went, brought chaos. He was shoving people off the base. He was stealing gloves. He would, whatever he could do, it was a joy. And he started, he started up the season after he was acquired from the Padres in the Sean Manaya deal. Uh, and it was clear homesick is the wrong word. He was in an unfamiliar clubhouse. He'd been taking off, taken off the bus. He was on the bus with his Fort Wayne Tin Caps teammates to go to Fort Wayne. And they took him off the bus a couple of days before opening day to tell him that he'd been traded. So after that adjustment period concluded and the man actually started to loosen up, oh, baby, the laughs came and they were plentiful. Uh, another guy... And Matt, I'm sorry that I didn't get immediately to this at the time, but I want to circle back. You mentioned Jordan Diaz. Let's get into Jordan, the man with the dancing horses back home. The man yeah. who in Colombia, his father's one of the most respected coaches around. And there was a scout who told me when Jordan was with the Lugnuts, he was like, does that guy ever swing and miss at a pitch in the zone? I was like, not that I can remember. How about you? No, I don't remember one either in particular. The Dancing Horses one threw me for a loop because it was actually Nate Mondu who came up to me and goes, hey, how well do you know Diaz? I was, you know, en enough. I know him a little bit. Just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why? He goes, oh, you know, he, you know he's, he dances horses in the offseason? And I, I had to go ask him about that. He's got a, he's got a tattoo of it. He, uh, it, It's a big deal. And those are expensive. I mean, that is that is a bonus and then some to buy a couple of Dancing Horses. And uh like like you said, he was really fun to watch because he never missed. If he was swinging, you knew something was going to happen. And we had him here, and he's another guy that I wrote down some numbers on. 
26 games is, is all that he was here before he was bumped up at, at the time we all thought prematurely to the major leagues turns out all he does is, is hit no matter where he plays but in those 26 games he batted 348 and when a guy gets called up and you know has a really hot star even anybody at the at the minor league level you know they're really hot okay when are they going to bottom out when is this going to stop when are they going to go back to normal fall back to earth it just didn't happen with Jordan Diaz and his you know about a month long stint here in Las Vegas they had him playing first they had him playing second they had him playing third he DH'd the majority of the games uh 25 RBIs in 29 games that was a number that that stood out to me he did a great job of not only, as you mentioned, Jesse, putting the ball in play, not swinging and missing, but doing it with runners on base. He was excellent with runners on base, even better with, with runners in scoring position. And you know, I talked about consistency earlier. He is absolutely a guy that you know what you're going to get uh, day in and day out. The only knock, I would say the only knock on his game, and it's because of the way that he is and how aggressive he is uh, as a batter, is the on-base percentage. He batted 348. His on-base percentage was under 400. It was a 383 clip in that shortened period. So he wasn't taking a lot of walks. Uh, wasn't getting a lot of luck, if you will, that fielding independent pitching metric that some people look at. Uh, he was not a lot of luck involved. It was him putting the ball in play, finding gaps and making things happen. That's the only, only, only thing I will say about his offensive game is that he does not take a lot of walks, but for a younger guy still developing, that's usually one of the last things to come along. There were some big questions that I wrote down to ask you guys, just looking back upon this past season. And if you don't mind, I'm going to fire them at you. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Alex, let's start with you. Favorite moment from 2022. Favorite moment from 2022. It was a down year in Stockton, but Junior Perez scored from second base on a wild pitch in extra innings in the top of the 11th, but it won the game uh, against the San Jose. I think the Ports ended up splitting uh, that series. But just, I mean, that's a guy we haven't talked about, but an electrifying athlete and uh Scoring from second base on a wild pitch, you don't see that very often, especially in extra innings. And that was a very fun moment. So off the top of my head, Junior Perez scoring from second base on a wild pitch in the top of the 11th in San Jose to all but win the game for the Ports. Matt, how about you? Uh, it's it's unique here at the AAA level. I always love watching guys get the call up to the big league, especially for the first time. Some of the names I had brought up, Nate Mondu, Mickey McDonald. So so in the broader sense, anytime any of our players get up to the major leagues for the first time, it's always a, a really, really cool moment. And it's one that we fortunately get to live out you know, pretty, pretty often being where we are at the AAA level. But in terms of individual moments, one would be early in the season, Billy McKinney with a, a walk-off grand slam on a Sunday day game in front of 10,000 screaming kids on a uh, field trip day. That was a fun one. The uh, The other one that I think stands out more is just kind of an exemplifying thing of how some of the, these teammates or some of these players, I guess, have become teammates. Uh, you know, at the minor league level, you've got a lot of players acquired different ways from different places. And, you know, they're, they're different people, prospects versus suspects. But when when a team comes together and mounts a, a an eight-run comeback in the bottom of the ninth inning, that that takes it from all sides. And we the Aviators mm. did that. Uh, in a game against Sugarland, the, the Space Cowboys, the Astros' newly named AAA affiliate here at Las Vegas Ballpark, and they, they entered into the bottom of the ninth inning trailing by seven. And it was a, a second half to forget because of all the roster moves that were going up and down from the major league level. We were kind of just picking at, scra picking at scraps with a, a skeleton roster towards the end because the A's needed so many arms to kind of go up and down. It, it was a, a second half in which the Aviators entered the second half in the division lead and finished 15 games back of the eventual PCL champs in Reno. But in the, in that stretch, there were some really shining moments and this was one of them. They entered the bottom of the ninth in a game in August uh, trailing by seven runs. They, they came back and Cody Thomas with a walk-off triple with the bases loaded uh, to win it. So an individual moment, I would say that was absolutely number one. For the Lansing Lugnuts, the final road game of the year was a no hitter. And no hitters aren't thrown very often in Lugnuts franchise history. There was one all the way back in the early 2000s. And then there was one in 2016, a six inning no hitter that the team lost. It was a part of a double header. And the Peoria Chiefs broadcaster after the game gave me a game ball with a big smile on his face. Congratulations on your <laughs> no hitter. So I've got that lost no hitter game ball. But last road game of the season against the eventual Midwest League champion South Bend Cubs. Jorge Juan started it, and off it went. It was a combined no-hitter finished off by Osvaldo Barrios, who, Alex, when he was with you, I don't think I'm putting this incorrectly in saying he was a pitch-to-contact, innings-eating starter. And with the yes. lug nuts, when that didn't go so well, 
he became a flame-throwing end of the bullpen guy. And we started to turn to him as our closer, and he closed out a no-hitter. And it was awesome. Hanson Lopez was our catcher. He had a cameo in AAA. He had a cameo in AA. There he is. It was just one of those perfect team moments to get everybody together. And that was our final road game of the year. It was fun. No hitters are cool. Broadcasters can't jinx them, by the way. No, yeah, I've got I've got one Back. five inning five five inning no hitter from when I was in the Florida State League, but that doesn't count. So I definitely agree <laughs> with you there. <laughs> Before we get into Cody's question that he wanted to ask, and we are going to end on Cody's question, Alex, you mentioned that we hadn't mentioned uh, Junior. There are so many guys that we can't get to. We have a limited period of time. Look, Alex has things to do, people to see. So before <laughs> we wrap up, which players would you like to mention uh, in passing? Who do you think is going under the radar? And let's start with you, Matt. Uh, under the radar, I think Diaz is a guy that, uh, that that could be brought up. He's a, a guy that you know I know I know I didn't know a ton about when he got to Las Vegas. It was just some some random kid with some pretty good numbers and and not a lot of hype around him. But he he turned it around and was was excellent in the in the shortened stretch that, that we had him. I think Kevin Smith could be a guy in that category. If he can keep up even some level of that offensive production at the end of the year, really not a lot of people talking about it because of how offensively he struggled throughout the majority of the season. And it was seen as a kind of a flash in the pan thing. But I think Kevin Smith, if he's able to work his way onto the big league roster again, remember he opened the season on the opening day roster in the major leagues last year. And I think if he has a good spring training and is able to do that again this year, while he won't play every day with Nick Allen being the defensive wizard that he is, and, and I think a future all-star, I think Kevin Smith is a guy that we may not see here in Las Vegas at all if he makes that big league roster because when he starts to hit, he, he rarely stops. And I think that that is going to be uh, something to keep an eye out for. And I think a lot of the moves, especially here in Las Vegas at the beginning of the year, are going to depend on who breaks camp with the big league team. And that, that comes down to the, the, the rotation a lot, which I think that's going to be where – uh, the, the most transient, you know, nature part of our roster is for the second year is going to be that starting rotation. Alex, how about you? Yeah, you mentioned Junior Perez and, you know, he's a guy that came over in the Jorge Mateo deal from San Diego uh, originally, and he improved in every single category this year. And, you know, he's only still 21 years old. I believe that's what he was uh, with the ports this past year. But, you know, first year in the Cal League, a young kid hit 207, uh, you know, a year ago was right around that in, uh, you know, at the all-star break, 210, 211, something like that. Uh, ended the year very strong. Didn't strike out a whole lot. Walk, you know, started to walk. And he ended the year at 249 with 15 home runs, uh, 62 RBIs, 32 stolen bases. Uh, you know, a guy that can play all, you know, in the big leagues, he probably would pro profile more as a corner outfielder, but very strong arm, athleticism off the charts, power. It's just he needs to start making those adjustments on a consistent basis. And I think he did that over the back half of last year and really started to make a name for himself again uh, in the organization. And, and I'm excited to see how he does in Lansing. And then one more, one member of the, uh, of the A's draft class on the mound, a fifth rounder named Jack Perkins, who was getting first round buzz out of high school, power right-hander, uh, you know, 95, 96. Our pitching coach, Brian Corey, felt uh, that he was a, a big league starter. Uh, fastball, really good cutter in the low 90s with a, a kind of a, a hard slur breaking ball uh, and a changeup. And he just completely overmatched hitters in the Cal League uh, coming out of Indiana as a fifth round pick. So Junior Perez on the on the position player side, uh, a guy with some interesting kind of tantalizing tools. And as a pitcher, I, I really liked Jack Perkins. And it's going to be I, I think he's going to be an interesting guy to watch. Uh, maybe a guy that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, but an interesting guy to watch next year and a guy who could very well be a, a top 30 ish prospect by the time we're talking next year. I would and Jesse like Alex, another guy. Well, I was gonna say another guy that falls into that category that I thought of uh, Max Schumann. I think he definitely profiles similarly to that, where if he has a good breakout year, he absolutely could crack that, that top 30. Yeah. I would yeah. like Drew Swift in Lansing to just get some health because the man is unbelievably fast and a terrifically talented defensive infielder, specifically at shortstop. But you can do a lot if you can run and you can play D and he can hit a little bit. And I think that that bat will come, but he just needs time. Brett Harris is now starting to peek up above the radar that superlative defense and a fantastic guy who has added power that he didn't have in college. And it was so exciting for me to see, Matt, that Jake Walkinshaw got a chance in AAA. 
His slider is outstanding. He pitches with such grit. And when that velocity is up, and that velocity can get up, when you couple it with how good his slider is, he can get outs. And I love to see it. Yeah, he was really fun to watch. Uh, it's always been interesting here in the last couple seasons in Las Vegas, seeing some of the pitchers that that get brought up from Double A Midland because there is so much back and forth between the Aviators and the Athletics at the major league level. So whenever we get a guy bumped up from Midland or lower, it's always really fun and exciting to get to learn about a new guy like that. And he was one, you know, no exception there. It was really fun to get to know him. Really good to get to know him a little bit. And yeah, he is really really exciting on the mound when he's on. Let's wrap up with this, and this is Cody's question when he first. Start, uh, was talking with me about what this roundtable was going to be. He said, you guys got to talk about the best promotions and the best giveaway <laughs> from 2022. So I'll lead off with this one because I've been after the lug nuts to do A's colored gear for the longest time. And we that started to do it. Oh, it's beautiful. That's and a good you one. See, you see this everywhere now around Lansing is the green and gold. You'll just see this, this shirt and people love it, and so they wear it wherever they go. I was calling a high school football game between two arch rivals, and there are people with their Lansing Kelly Green A's-themed uniform. So that was my favorite giveaway of the year uh, for each of you. Is there something that stands out? Alex, let's start with you. Man, that is a great question. I, I, I'm going to have to go with a similar type of deal. The Ports wore a uh, Kelly Green A's-style uniform, uh, in 2021, which was a huge hit. And this year they had a very similar jersey to that one that is hanging in my booth in Stockton. Uh, but a, a, essentially this uh, Kelly Green Stockton Ports jersey that says Stockton across the chest in the same font that, you know, the A's have it say Oakland across the chest. And uh, you saw those as the year. I think the, the A's weekend was in July, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, those made several appearances by fans at the ballpark uh, as the year went along. So uh, that was one of my favorites. The uh, I got another one for you. Okay, here's here's a good one. There was, and it's kind of a, a twofer, and the team made this a lot of fun too. There was a tank top giveaway and a, Ports uh, do this every year. It's like an annual like boat pilot uh, hat giveaway, which is, you know, it's kind of poofy on top with a short brim, right? It's like a, it's a, it's a boat pilot's hat. So the team uh, took to wearing these two items uh, during batting practice for the last few weeks of the year, they would wear tank tops uh, to hit, and a few of them would be wearing the the, the boat hats. Uh, so instead of the Kelly Green, I will go with the the tank tops, which the the club made a lot of fun by, uh, you know, wearing them during batting. And even when a new guy would come in, he would be given a tank top. They would wear it during batting practice, and uh, you know, every now and then you'd see a couple of the white, uh, you know, white with green and gold uh, pilot hats. So. Uh, Final answer, tank top. Aye, aye, Alex. That you broadcast <laughs> in a tank top, right? Oh, always. I oh, mean, this course. is about as, as much as I as I wear during a game. Yeah, that's that's funny. If it makes you feel, if it makes you feel, guys, feel any better as well. I've been badgering our front office to do an A's uniform for for a couple of years now. So I think it's it's in the works. Not going to be for this year. I was just talking to our clubby earlier, and he's uh, he's pretty involved in the the uh, the, the jerseys, but. I've I've been I've been wanting that for a couple of years, but some some of my favorite ones included uh, one of our our jerseys that we ended up doing a similar style giveaway. Tom Cruise Top Gun Maverick, the movie of the summer. Uh, they had a huge night here. I mean, we do a lot of fun things. We lean into the aviators theme pretty heavy. Uh, not a lot of people know the aviators are named as such because we're owned by the Howard Hughes Corporation, and so there's a lot of lot of plays on that, a lot of things with that. So they did they did Top Gun oh, Maverick of the movie called The Aviator. Exactly. Bingo. Uh, it's it's a lot less complex when you put it like that. But yes, they uh, they do a good job though of, of kind of leaning into that theme. So we had a, it was a basically a flight suit jersey, and it wasn't just the jersey; it was the pants in the similar kind of dark green uh, military garb, and the uh, we had a hat that we would wear a lot that summer that was camo uh, and similar to that. But the guys uh, had a lot of fun with that. They would wear the uh, aviator sunglasses with it during BP because we wore it a couple different days in a row. And <laughs> it, just as far as a, a unique look, I really liked that one. As far as you know, best giveaways, things that I liked, uh, we do uh, the uh, Copa de la Diversión Hispanic Heritage uh, Initiative here. So we're the, the Reyes de Plata, which is the, the, the Silver Kings. I see yours there. The uh, Yeah, the, the, it's basically the, the Silver Kings. Nevada's got a really big silver silver mining history. So they, they do a really good job of doing that. We do it every Tuesday home game. And they did a uh, Reyes de Plata bobblehead 
because the logo is a little skeleton guy with the mining uh, gear and stuff. So they, they did a bobblehead of him that I really liked. And I've always been a fan of the little ceramic stadium giveaways that are about, you know, yay tall and you know, fit fit really well on a desk. And on my, my, my desk back at home, I've got them from every team I've ever worked for, some teams that I haven't. Uh, but really enjoyed the giveaway. So I always enjoy those ones. And we did one for the first time this year and they did a good job. And talking about the, the video board earlier, I think that was the most uh, detailed and ornate part was our video board display uh, on that giveaway beyond the left field fence. On that note, let's close up shop here. I, I've been trying to get the uh, lug nuts to change their name briefly for that one day to the Lansing High A's. So it was the voice <laughs> of the High A's, which can lead you in any direction. Um, Thank you very much, Matt and Everett, with the Las Vegas Aviators. Absolutely. Happy to do it anytime and looking forward to a really exciting season. A lot of unanswered questions, so uh, definitely going to be a lot to talk about come spring training. Searching for those answers to those questions. Alex Jensen, the voice of the Stockton Ports. Jesse, pleasure. Matt, always a good time, guys. Well, uh, I can't wait to do it again soon. And I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Big thanks to Cody. Big thanks to A's cast. This has been the A's Minor League Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 